Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today we have a very special guest. And before we introduce the guest, I would like to say it is Father's Day weekend. And um, I know that that can be very hard for a lot of people. And that kind of ties in to our podcast today. So do you want to introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about how Father's Day affects you? Hey, um, I'm Bethany Whitney. Um, (laughs) I don't have a dad. Um, for Father's Day, I mean, we basically just celebrate my grandpa. Like, we don't really, it's something that we don't really talk about with my side of the family and, like, my immediate family. Yeah, so can you tell us, yeah, just kind of what happened, um, um, just initially to get a little bit about your story. Well, growing up, um, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer before I was born and then shortly after I was born. So he had battled that twice. And then, um, so that was definitely really hard for our family. And then when I w- got to be a little bit older, around seven, um, we started realizing that he was having like slurred speech and problems walking and balancing. Yeah. And we went to a couple of doctors. And when I was eight, he was diagnosed with ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, for those of you that don't really know what that means. It's the, it's the disease that Stephen Hawking and the guy that has, or the guy that made SpongeBob has. And like the ice bucket challenge, it goes to the ALS association. And basically um, your muscles start to deteriorate and you can't really do anything about it and there's no cure. So he was diagnosed with that when I was about eight and then he passed away from that when I was 10. So yeah. and it was about two I was dealing with that. Yeah, and I think that that, in a sense, also probably made it a lot harder because you had to kind of come to terms with that over that period of time. And so talk a little bit about that and just that span of time. Um, Yeah. Well, I was really young, so I don't think I really realized that he was going to die. And especially because he had overcome cancer twice. Well, three times technically, but anyways. um, (laughs) like once in my lifetime and once before I was born. So I don't think I really came to terms with the fact that he was dying until he had died. Um, so throughout that whole time, I was diagnosed with anxiety at age eight. So I've been dealing with that ever since. I was kind of the catalyst for all of that. And it was, I couldn't really come to terms with it. My mom had a hard time with it, but she is a nurse. Like she had been nursing for 20 years by that point. And so she quit her job to help with him full time. And so my grandma moved down here and my aunt moved down here. And it was slow because, like, we watched him deteriorate. Yeah. It was really difficult. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of that whole story. Yeah. And I think that it's so hard to – death as a concept is hard to comprehend at any age. It's hard to comprehend now, um, yeah. but I can't imagine being introduced to that so early. And then also, yeah, I feel like 
having that sense of almost like, oh, like he'll get through it um, because of like the experiences that you've had before. And so it kind of, yeah, it didn't really seem real, I'm sure. And having everybody come yeah. down, how, how are you guys making money and how are you guys um, having income? Was that at all a struggle since she had to leave her job? Um, it definitely was a struggle, but we had like support from the community and my dad was in, in the Navy growing up. Hmm. So um, through the Veterans Affairs program and like the government and stuff, we got funding for all of his stuff, like medical bills. And it was really great to have that. And after he passed away, we got income for me and my sister and my mom just through benefits and life stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and so after he died, what was, I guess, what was your immediate reaction? Um, and then kind of how has that changed over time um, and just developed? And um, I know you wrote a very beautiful poem earlier this year that was um, really touching about it. I mean, I definitely had a lot of guilt surrounding it because, again, I didn't really realize that he was going to die, so I didn't treat him like he was dying, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so now that's definitely changed into a lot of guilt. I am learning to forgive myself, which has been really good because I know that he would want me to. And um, yeah, just a lot of guilt yeah. and a bit of anger. I was more angry at the situation than him. And yeah. Yeah. And no, no. And I understand that this is very difficult to talk about because, um, it is something that we can't go back and change, you know? And, yeah. And I understand that. And it's, it's hard to have that hope and that faith that we talk about so often when yeah. it feels like life has done so much to beat you down. And also because you were so young and um, although there's things that you realize now, again, it's like we said, you can't go back and change yeah. that it's not like a conversation um, that you could have now because I know there's yeah. some people who are like, oh, I have a bad relationship with this person or I wish I'd done this and I can go back and when I'm ready, I can talk to them. And I think that yeah. your story has honestly made me more aware that I might not have that opportunity. I might like when I'm ready, the quote unquote, when I'm ready is I might not have that. So um, even if there's a relationship with a family member or anyone that I am struggling with, it's better to have them in my life to a certain extent than to yeah. really close them off. And I'm not saying that at all, that that's what you did, but it has um, taught me a lot. And how do you feel like, because you have siblings, correct? Yes, I have one sister. Mm -hmm. How has your relationship with her um, grown through this? Because obviously I think it's, helpful in a sense to have someone who can go through that with you. Yeah. And I mean, our relationship is fairly unique because of all of that. Yeah. But for a while after he had passed away, um, we were not close at all. She had dealt with his death in a very difficult and different way than I was because she was a little older. She was starting to become a teenager. Mm -hmm. Dealing with teenager emotions and just. Yeah. Anyways. Um, so we were definitely not that close, but we've definitely gotten a lot closer now and we have talked about it. And one thing that came up, it was about a couple months ago at dinner. And my mom had asked us about our favorite childhood memories. 
And we both realized that we didn't have any. Yeah. Because as a trauma response, we both had like shut out our childhood memories. And so that, that was something that we got to bond over. And like, we both know that like we did stuff, like we went on trips to Universal Studios and Gatlinburg, like we did things together, but, and like, we know that as a fact, we would, but we don't have memories of that. Mm -hmm. So I think that was really, and then when she started driving too, we would do a lot more together. And so we have talked a lot about my dad and everything that went down. Mm -hmm. And again, we do have the shared trauma and we also both have type one diabetes. So that, that definitely helps us grow together. Yeah. And just recently. Yeah. Together. Mm -hmm. And just going back a little bit to that um, feeling of guilt. Can you elaborate just a little bit on where you feel like that stems from? Um, I think that stems from, I guess I definitely push him away mm-hmm. because I think there was a little bit of embarrassment that like my dad could be a dad. Yeah. Um, Especially through that process. Like, he was, was, yeah. Yeah. And like when he was getting sicker, there was a lot of guilt because I didn't have a dad like other kids did. And mm-hmm. Things were different. Yeah. And I think, Again, um, it's easy on times like Father's Day or Mother's Day or just all of these things for people to acknowledge, oh, some people don't have dads. Oh, some people don't Uh, have father figures. Um, But it's not something that I think that I could begin to fathom unless it happened. Um, Yeah. And so I, I don't know. I think that that is again, in the way that you've handled it, I feel like it's very unique because you've grown so much into a loving and just kind person. And how do you feel like that's shaped the way that you feel about other people? And for those of you, well, I guess none of you can see this actually. I don't know. But she just did like a little heart with her fingers. But yes, but how has that shaped you into the person that you are, do you think, in like an empathy sense? Definitely with empathy. Um, I've been through a lot. And it helps me understand and feel what other people are feeling so I can help guide them through that. Like, um, I had a friend whose father passed away, like, about a year ago. And I was the first person he called Mm. because I had been through this. His was definitely more sudden. But I was able to, like, help him through that because it's something that I've been through. And, like, the whole not having a father thing (laughs) kind of sucks. But it helps me. I think it helps me feel things a little bit deeper and help people through their times of crisis and trauma. And really, um, it does help me push the narrative of going to therapy. Like you and I have talked about that before. Oh yeah. Huge, Um, huge thing. Like I constantly am like, go to therapy. If you need therapy, go to therapy. Like I think it can do wonders for people. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. So I definitely think that I've grown to be very loving and, understanding and nurturing because of my past and like everybody's a little baby on the inside everybody needs a hug (laughs) yeah like it just people have stories that they want to tell they want to be understood I think that that is such a huge thing and I think listening to people's stories and validating them and not always trying I mean giving advice is great and again it's like what you were saying like if you're qualified to give advice um whether you've been through something 
that relates or whether you're just from a, from a place where you can give advice. But I think it's also one thing that I think is so unique about you and the way that you um, respond to these things is you listen first and you really take the time to listen and understand and help someone feel seen. And it's like you said, I think that that was so beautiful. The way that you put that is everybody has stories that they want to tell. Um, and that I feel like a lot of times we just don't have the spaces that we can go to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that's another thing, a big thing about therapy, um, that I am a huge advocate for as well. (laughs) Yeah. Go to therapy. (laughs) Yeah. And also, um, relating to your faith a little bit, how do you feel like that has helped you? Um, okay. Well, first off, I grew up in the church. Um, my dad led like Sunday school classes. He was a deacon at church. Like after church, I have fond memories this is one thing I do remember I remember sitting in the car after church every Sunday waiting for up to like an hour because he'd be talking to people Mm. he would talk to people he would get stories from them he would pray with them like I grew up with that as a foundation in my heart no matter what and I remember when he was starting to get sicker he said don't be angry at God Mm. and I think that that was a big turning point for my faith yeah because yeah when God puts pain in your life, it will find a place. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the pain in your life helps you grow. So I think that that was a pain that was given to me to help me be who I am. Yeah, and I think I, I very much agree with that. I think that there's so many trials um, that life holds for everyone. And they're different. And obviously, like, pain is subjective. It is um, I, one thing that I always say is, you know, who's to say that a child losing their favorite stuffed animal doesn't hurt in the same way that a man, like an old man losing his wife, because yeah. the child doesn't know that level of pain. The child's not aware. So to yeah. them, subjectively, that feels like the same level of pain. And so we all go through those things. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that that is just so beautiful that it will find a place. And it will find a it purpose. Will. And I think yeah. it shows just in the way that you've grown, um, even just as a teen. Like, because in, in the grand scheme of your life, it's so, it's been not that long, you know? Um, yeah. And so I think that you can already see that forming into the person that you are and the way that you can help other people. You've helped me in so many ways. You've helped so many of your friends, like the person that you mentioned. And I just, I think that um, I really love the way that you didn't let that create any animosity or tension in your heart. And that's what it's been a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course there's anger surrounding that because I mean, that's difficult to go through, but at the end of the day, it was either I stay angry or I use the pain and I grow with it. Yeah. And I think that that is so beautiful. And one thing that I was reading the other day, um, it was an article speaking about age and when we fully become adults. And one thing that really spoke to me was a passage that said, we continue to ask uh, when do we become adults? And that can be things like having children. Some people never even feel like adults. But one thing that we never really ask is when were we kids? Um, And I think that that relates a lot to what you were saying. And um, how do you feel like it made you grow up? Just like kind of lose that sense of childhood Um, you're talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that there were a lot of good moments, like we had so many good moments in my childhood. 
But I think that once my dad got sick, I had definitely had to start self-advocating a lot more. Um, I started dealing with mental health issues. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the end of small, innocent childhood for me. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so difficult um, because, again, it's kind of like what you were saying, like the self-advocating part. It's hard. And again, a huge reason for this podcast even. It's hard when you are so young for people to take you seriously for so many things, mental health, but also just things like that where you don't have a choice and you're having to fight and you don't have like those people that can validate it. You don't have those people that can speak for you. You're having to do it. This is your only option. Um, And I think that that's so interesting. I think it's interesting to look at um, your maturity level as well, because you have have you have had to do this for so long. You have had to just grow up. And I think that that is difficult. And I know for me, um, we've talked a lot about both of our childhoods before. Yeah. Um, I think we both had to grow up pretty quickly. And I think that there can be a fear of growing up further, like a fear of being adults, fear of being like, well, legally adults and fear of that stuff. And it's almost like a longing to try to make up for the childhood that we didn't get. It's like, I don't want to reach age 18. I don't want to go to college because I still haven't gotten the childhood that I long for, you know? I tell my coworkers at work, I don't plan on getting much older than this. I tell them like 16 and a half was kind of the cutoff for me. I'm done (laughs) aging. Yeah. Because I just, there is a fear of growing up and being on my own and leaving my mom. Mm -hmm. I'm like recently I've realized like how lonely she must get yeah because my sister is always running around with her friends I'm always at work or with my friends and she has friends of course and she goes to work now which um she just started work like back a year ago after my dad died which was like kind of crazy because she waited five years to go back love that for her she was living her best life during that time Mm -hmm. It's like she does have people she can depend on, and she does have a really strong connection with her sister and her dad, but I'm like, she doesn't really have anybody when we're not there. Yeah, and I can't, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. I mean, obviously, um, so difficult for her, and also so difficult for you guys, and it hurts my heart that you don't have that same time that you can really, you can't take off um, from this time in your life you just can't and I'm not that's not knocking her because I think that you know that's totally necessary um but it's just it's also hard for you guys um how do you feel like your relationship with her has changed with everything she's my best friend pretty much um I mean obviously like we do have our ups and downs because at the end of the day she is a parent first yeah (laughs) and she knows that and I know that and um, yeah, I tell her pretty much everything. Like, I know that I can always come to her with stuff. And we do, we don't, like, make jokes about his death, but we do, like, make jokes about the aftermath of it. Like, yeah, um, <laughs> we refer to it as the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and there was a thing she said the other day. She was like, I always just fear the worst, you know, because of the trauma. And I'm like, just the way we bring it up is there's a humor to it, I think, and a lightness, a lightness about it. Yeah, I think that, I feel like in a lot of those scenarios, it's like, once you get to the point where you can kind of um, do that, it's kind of a little bit of a coping thing, but also, 
you guys have been through it together. It's kind of this thing of like, yeah, like we know, we know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's kind of beautiful. And I feel like, yeah. Once, yeah. And once you can have that, not, not compassion for the situation, but kind of that, um, just ability to like look at it. Gentleness. Yeah. yeah. That gentleness that I don't want to say, I mean, maybe, maybe lightness to it. Um, but I like the way that you put yeah. it. Out. I like the way that you said it. Gentleness to the situation. Um, I think it's like, that it's not an open wound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something that you've, I don't, I never want to say come to terms with, because I feel like things like that are something that it never goes to rest. It'll always be a part of you and it'll always be something that you're experiencing and learning from. Um, and but it's something you, that yeah has happened. Yeah. And how do you, how do you feel like if any way you've like filled that space? Um, um, how do you plan to, I guess, maybe not plan to, but how have you and how, do you think you are going forward, especially going into um, a parental role? Um, well, to your original question of filling the space, I have had the same best friend for 13 years, my dear Savannah Jaton. <laughs> um, and her family has become my family. And yeah. her dad is literally my father figure. Oh. Like he is the closest thing I have to a father. He, I go on vacations with them. Like, that's my dad. I call him dad half the time. Because, like, he he's filled that space and he definitely knows it. Mm-hmm. So I have that. And I have Savannah as well. She's definitely been a big part of my growing up. Um, poor thing. I convinced her to switch schools with me three times. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. So I, I love that. Yeah, no, she's she puts up with a lot from me. <laughs> So I have had that stability, which has definitely helped. Mm-hmm. And my mom has really stepped in, and she does the best that she can with the situation we've been given. So she fills that hole too, as well. Um, going into like growing up and getting married and having kids, it's my biggest fear for them losing a parent mm-hmm. because I don't want to be a single parent. Yeah, like I just it takes so much bravery. Yeah. And that's something I don't want to do. Yeah. But I mean, I if, God, if God decides that this, that's the path for me, then of course I'll take it and run with it. But I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think that's a beautiful way to look at it because a lot of times, you know, some of those trials that we talk about, we don't, we don't want. But I have never known a trial that I faced that I would um, take back or I would change because it's like you said it's it's made you the person that you are today and I think that that's yeah so important but yeah I'm sure that that must weigh on you and I'm sure that there's like a certain level of security and stability that you have to be longing for and you have to be looking for constantly because of everything that's happened yeah and again I've lived in the same house all my life which helps um, my mom didn't work for a really long time after my dad passed away, so she was always available. Um, therapy was always an option for us in this household, and I've had the same best friend for all my life, and she does everything with me, and I have her dad as well to step in and be a father figure, and he knows that he is. Yeah. So, and that stability is really 
Yeah. And so do you fear, um, I'm sure even more to a heightened sense, do you fear change? Um, and again, like once we do go off to college and things like that and things aren't so stable and how do you, how do you plan on keeping an eye on yourself, um, and your mental health during that time and just, yeah, you and your heart? Well, I've watched my sister grow up and make not the best decisions. Yeah. <laughs> so making those decisions for myself scares me because the fact of the matter is, especially at college, like I do have type one diabetes. So that needs to come first before mm -hmm. anything else, because that's the card I've been dealt, you know? Mm -hmm. So that needs to come first. And there are some things that I look forward to about college. Um, I'm looking forward to being on my own just a little bit mm -hmm. because I am so close with my mom that I like, I'm looking forward to not being not close with her, but having my own space Yeah, and being independent. Um, and I do have a job, so I am pretty independent. Excuse me, by myself already. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but the change is scary. I don't want to be away from home for long. That's why I don't really want to go out of state because I do want to be close to home. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, there are things that I'm looking forward to, but there are also things that I'm not looking forward to, like certain aspects of independence and certain aspects of being away from my mom, I fear and look forward to. Yeah, and I think it's beautiful. And uh, we've talked about this before too, you know, change and fear and sometimes pain are necessary for that growth. And yeah. um, letting things hold you back, not not in the sense of don't um, pay attention to them, don't dwell on them, don't be intimately aware and related to them, but letting things prevent you from living your life yeah. um, is something that would be a disservice to you. And I think you would say probably a disservice to him as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there are things that I do because I know that it would make my dad proud. Um, I try to be the person I am and the Christian I am because I know that that's what God wants for me and that's what my dad wants for me. And, you know, like, my dad was great. Mm -hmm. And I want to be like him. Yeah. And I think that that is so, so beautiful. And I think that you are just the definition of love and light. And that is all that I could ever strive to be. And I just, I, I know in my life, you are someone, when I think of um, a blessing, I think immediately of you. And so I, I think that the way that you've grown and just blossomed into the person that you are is so beautiful. And so kind of just to um, bring it to a close, do you have any words that you would like to say, firstly to people that maybe don't understand what it's like, um, just like kind of telling them, um, yeah, like how to handle it and how to handle it with their friends who don't have a father or don't have um, a father figure. Um, keep loving. Love people. Yeah. Again, people have stories and they want to be heard. And people need, people also need an outlet. You need an outlet. I don't care if it's therapy. I don't care if it's running. <laughs> I don't yeah. care. Um, if you like to bake, go bake. Like you need a creative outlet in your life to deal with the things that you feel. 
So find an outlet and find your people that love you and that you love and listen to people's stories. Yeah, and I think that, yeah. Yeah, and I think that is also, I was going to ask you to give some advice to people who um, have dealt with this loss, but I think that that kind of covers that too. Um, Yeah, because I think that you've just, again, you've grown so beautifully from it. And I think that the way that you have dealt with all of this is probably the best that I can imagine anybody would. Um, So yeah, Beth, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me and letting me use your space to create and be with you in this together like I love you yeah you are amazing (laughs) oh um and yes guys please share even just sharing with one person helps so much so thank you and yeah have a good day